So last Sunday, uh, Joshua asked a question. Well, he said, uh, give me a one-minute sermon on Coke bottle. So as we were talking about the Coke bottle, I'm a studier. I like to read and study and prepare. I don't like stuff like that. So once he asked me that, I went home and I, I studied the sermon in reverse. It's like if I was going to preach on a Coke bottle, what would I say? So I just hid my notes for my learning. But um, we thought we could use that example as a backdrop to talk about relationships. So our title today is... Coke, what's inside? Now, the idea before we read the scripture, and we're going to look up a scripture, and then I'm going to let you have the first point, but I want to explain the scripture. John 2, 23 through 25. I want to to explain this scripture because there, the best thing you can learn to do for your life is learn how to manage your spaces. But most people don't think about how to manage their spaces or their relationships. Who do you give yourself to and when? How do you give themselves to you? Do you give yourself to everybody? We talked about you, you know, me, myself, and I. So getting to know those three parts of you. We want integrity in those three parts of you. But... When it's time after you know yourself, how do you decide how to build relationships with others? Yeah. Because there are different types of relationships. There are different types of people. And the biggest heartache you'll have in your life is when you give yourself to people, but they really didn't give themselves to you. Or there were expectations that perhaps weren't explained correctly. (laughs) So before you got into a relationship, there was not a conversation. What is this? What are we doing? Does it matter? So this particular scripture in John 2 is perfect for this discussion today. It says, now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, what did it say? Many... What did they believe? They believed in his name when? So they believed in his name. They believed in him after they saw the signs, which he did. Even though the signs weren't him, they believed in him once they saw what he did. And everybody that wants to be in a relationship with you doesn't really want to be in a relationship with you. They want to be in a relationship with what you do. Yeah. Okay, next verse. This is, this is, really, this is really good to me. I hope, it, I hope it helps you. And I'm excited to teach with him. Oh, really? I am, man. I love you. You're good at this. Okay, oh, so my heart. watch this. But but listen to this, though. But, read it. Jesus did not commit himself 
to them. Come Why? On, man. That's good. Now, that part of the scripture is not me and you. We don't know all men. So we need a strategy. <laughs> you and I don't know all men. We don't know all men. And I know you got a discerning gift, but it ain't clicking all the time. Right? He did not give himself to them because he knows all men. This, and this, this next one is like crazy. Listen to what the Bible says about him. And listen to what it says. And he had no need that anyone should testify of men. In other words, Jesus knew everybody, and he didn't, he didn't need anybody to tell him about nobody. Let me tell you about my friend. I want to, you, Jesus is like, I made him. You can't introduce me to her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know this girl. I made her. I built her. You can't introduce. You can't tell me anything about her. For he knew, he knew what was in man. Now, when you read this scripture, above this, Joshua, it says that Jesus healed the sick and raised the dead. He healed the sick, he raised the dead, and then all these people followed him. But Jesus did not commit himself to them. We need a strategy for strategic relationships. That's good. We need a strategy for strategic relationships. We need a strategy for marriage. Who do we marry? We need a strategy for business. Who do we go in business with? We need, we need a strategy for every type of relationship, best friends. Mm. We need a strategy in which we use to Form our lives. Jesus, who knew everything and could do everything, he decided, I can't commit myself to them. But yet you see him committing himself to disciples. Right. Yeah, that's good. You see him committing himself to others because all of these relationships are strategic. You are the sum total of all of your relationships. That's what you become. So we're going to use... This title, Coke, to talk today about that. Sure. You sure you want to go first? You can go first. Okay. Good morning, everybody. We ready to go? All right. You got your smartphones, your dumb phones, your no phones, your tablets, and your chisels. You ready to go? Pen and paper? Okay. Let's do it. So wasn't last Sunday crazy? Like, if you haven't had the opportunity, don't do it now, but you have to go and watch the one-minute sermons because it was, it was like transcendent. The, the, uh, like the message in between the message. Um, so today, I'm, I'm just going to try and uh, support him because, honestly, he should be teaching this thing by himself, but I'm going to do my best to hang. No, Somebody this say, is, this is good. This is good. Somebody say, this is good. Yeah, good. Okay, that was encouragement for me. I appreciate you. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. And whoever I won against rock, paper, scissors, I like my steak medium rare. So, all right, here we go. So here we go. Can, can we go to the word? I don't want to give you opinion. I want to give you scripture this morning. Is that cool? Anybody love the word? Yeah. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, God, I love your word. God, I love the word of God. Let's go to 2 Corinthians six seventeen, and I'll be in the New Living Testament. I'm going to give you a little bit of structure before I give you my point so that it makes sense. Amen? Mm. Here we go. 2 Corinthians six seventeen. it says, therefore, come out from among who? Unbelievers. And separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things, and I will welcome you. This is a scripture where God calls us out of situations and out of dirty relationships. 
Mark 3, 13, with New Living Translation. Again, it says, afterward, Jesus went up on the mountain and called out the ones he wanted. Who? The ones he, the ones he wanted, wanted to go yep. with him. And then what they do? They came, they came with, with him. him. This is where we see that God has called out those that he wants to a new level of being. Follow me. I'm, I'm building something here, right? Judges 7, 5. When Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, do what? Divide the men into two groups. And one group put all of those who cup their hands together and drink the water with their tongues like dogs. And the other group put all of those who did what? Kneel down and drink with their mouths in the stream. God tells Gideon, where you're going, you, do, you won't have what you need to choose them. So I got to give you some criteria to choose who to take in this next level. How many of you know that sometimes you can't choose who you need in the next level and you need a situation to decipher who? Yep. I don't know why that person left me. I didn't know what I did. It wasn't what you did. The situation is determining your relationships. So this one talks about how God helps us filter who we need. Revelations 19.7, New Living Translation. Listen to this. It says, let us be glad and do what? Rejoice and let us give honor to him for the time has come for the wedding feast of the lamb and his what? His bride, bride has, has prepared, prepared herself. herself. This is what this verse tells us. It says that the bride is a combination of individuals who represent themselves as a body. This is the first point for this morning. Individualism is only found in community. We just read four different times where Jesus calls somebody out of something to send them to something. Mm -hmm. It's impossible for God to call you out of something if you are not in it already. It's impossible for your job to, to, to upraise you, for your boss to promote you if you're not already on your hands and knees working on something. God only calls people out of something to something. So if you're not in the right atmosphere, if you're not around the right people, God can't use you because you have no experience working with people. You, go, you want God to bless you and give you the managerial role, but you've never, you can't even get your house right. You can't get your money right. Your money, every single dollar is a person. How many of y'all know that? Every dollar has a personality. So you need to look at your money and call out strife, call out debt. These are the points. God has a peculiar, a peculiar affinity with individualism. And here's the proof. You know what the word ecclesia means? It means church. But in the Greek, the word ecclesia literally means to be called out of, into. So God has called us to be the ecclesia, the church, but sometimes we get it twisted thinking that this is church. No, 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 no. God calls us out of places into something. Look at your neighbor and say into. Into. So you're only called once you leave this place. You're called into this place to learn, but you are supposed to be an individual that is called out of this place into your sphere of influence. So every time you walk into job and you punch into your clock, you're not just punching in to go work. You're punching in to fulfill assignment. You're punching in to, to do the purpose of God. You're punching in to show God in that place. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm on assignment. I'm on assignment. The value of a can of 24. Like you've ever seen a 24 pack of Coke? Yeah. Right? Have you ever bought one can of Coke? You've ever bought one before? What if I told you that, that the individual can of Coke has its value raised when it's in the pack of 24 rather than it's sold by itself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If I buy one Coke and I drink it by myself, it nourishes me. But if I buy a pack of 24, every Coke that I call out of that 24 fulfills a specific need in somebody else. What if spiritually we walked around with a pack of 24, meaning this, everywhere that you went, you had something yep. for somebody that they needed. Yep. Like, what if we weren't so selfish that we went to the store and only bought the one can for ourselves, but I got one for me and I can call something out of your situation and put something in there that you need. 
Look at your neighbor and say, I'm a pack of 24. I'm a pack of 24. You will get a lot further in your relationships if you know exactly what to give people. You've got to bring something to the situation. But God only calls you out of situations to send you to something better. So if you're in a situation where you're beating your head up against the wall, your job, you can't stand it. Your boss is on your neck all the time. That's good stuff. You want to know why? Because carbonation and soda creates pressure. And pressure creates freshness. So if you're under pressure, that means that God's trying to make you fresh for where he's trying to take you. Okay. <laughs> Look at your neighbor. Somebody scream, I'm fresh. I'm okay. fresh. So my first point is this. Like Jesus, you're going to be the same. There are going to be some people who see you and they're going to see what you do. They're going to feel an anointing on your life. They're going to see something you do well. Whether it's fish, raising the dead, or whatever that is, they're going to see it. You can't confuse them wanting to be in a relationship with you with, well, they love me, they care about me, or they care about what I do. You have to find that out before you give yourself to them. Because you'll end up giving what they are not really after. They're not really after relationship with you. They want you to show them how to make money. (laughs) So Jesus, because he knew them and what they wanted, he said, I'm not going to commit to you because I don't want to give you that. That's so good. I don't teach everybody how to make money. I do that with my sons and my family and those who are close to me. Well, you ought to teach everybody. No, you go teach somebody. You're the one that's broke. I decide who I'm going to teach. Whoa. I decide who I give that to. And in my last point, I'll tell you why. You have to decide who you give yourself to and what you give them. That's good. Because once you make the commitment to give yourself to a person, Once you make that covenant, you're going to be held to that covenant. So you need to do your work up front. Say up front. (laughs) And anyone who gets upset with you because you don't give them what they want right away, let them be upset. Can I just talk to you? This is not Pastor Martin talking to you. This is Martin right here. You will learn eventually that you write it down. You are not, you, 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 you have a shelf life. Man, if you don't, bro. (laughs) You have a shelf life. Josh said fresh. There's going to become a time in your life when your freshness is not there. They're going to pick up the French bread and it ain't going to (laughs) crackle. Wow. So you can't spend your life giving yourself to everybody. You've got to decide. Who do you give your life to? At what level do you give it to them? And what are you expecting from them when you give it to right. them? Because you have an expiration date. 
Come on, man. You have a time you're going to leave here. Bishop Tudor Bismarck said something a few years ago, and I wrote it down. I remember it all the time. He said, all of you are excited. I get to preach everywhere. I'm preaching with all the big names. But he says, there's going to come a day when the sun will begin to set on me traveling and preaching. And people are going to stop inviting me. Mm. He says, I'm preparing for that day. Mm. How beautiful is that? So he said, I go preach at places, but I don't want relationships with them. Because right. if I build a relationship with them and I put my heart in them and they stop inviting me, it's going to hurt me. Am I making sense? So in that same way, you have to practically, spiritually, and emotionally detach yourself from people who come to the counter and want to pick you up and buy you. Mm-hmm. Do, you know, do you know that some people don't drink the Coke? Some people use the Coke to clean their toilets. Pastor, come on, dude. Y'all gonna have to mute me. Go to YouTube. Coca Cola cleans toilets. So somebody comes and wants a relationship with you. You're like, oh yeah, I've been waiting for this. And they take you home and pour you in the toilet. Come on. <laughs> so good. And when they do that, it's over for you. Bottle empty. Everybody wants your form. Everybody sees your form first. They see your form. They see your function. They see your anointing. But you can't let everybody drink. Mm. Well, I'm a Christian. I'm saved. Especially if you're Christian and saved. Don't do it. Because church is full of users. Mm. I should quit right there. No, I was going to say something I shouldn't say. For real, I'm done. Two. Say it, 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 say it. No. Point number two. I tried. I tried. So it's point number two. I'm going to give you scripture again, all right? So 2 Timothy 6. And seven, we see Paul, he, when he was in his life, he's an apostle, and, and he wrote a lot of letters. He wrote letters to the Corinthian church. He wrote letters to the, to the Romans. He wrote letters to all of these different civilizations in regards to their relationships. Because at this point in time, Paul is getting these letters because they said, well, you were a follower of Jesus. You knew Jesus. So what should we do about our relationships? That should give you a point. At some point in time, your relationships should cause other people to ask you how they're going so well. If nobody asks you how to do relationship, it's not necessarily because you ain't gotten them. Maybe it's because we ain't doing them correctly. The Word of God also says that they will know that you love God by the way that you love one another. So we have to understand that relationships aren't just something that's nice to have. They are necessary for your assignment. Like you need, look at your neighbor and say, you need community. So stop having a funky attitude. Some of y'all got a funky attitude. Some of y'all got arms crossed right now. I, I see it. It's okay. Let me give you some scripture. 2 Timothy 6 through 7, Paul says to stir up the gift. 
But that's usually where we stop, we, where he says, be in relationships where people can call devils out and people can give you their gifts and they can teach and they can preach to you and that they can stir up the gift. But there's a comma after that sentence, not a period. It says to stir up the gift and to provide a place of worship for you afterwards. This is the point. It's called shake and release. You ever shaken up a bottle of Coke? You ever shaken up a soda or shaken up something with carbonation? What happens? There's pressure and there's explosion. What if I told you that there are people that can stir up your gift but don't have a place to let you explode in safety? They'll shake you up. They'll stir you up. I got a word for you. The Lord of God, Lord Jesus said this. And they'll pray, they'll lay hands on you, and the Holy Spirit will be there. But when it comes time to execute, they don't know what to do with you once you explode. You know what that looks like? It's the people that pray for you win the blessing, but then once you get the blessing, they say that you've been blowing up and you're acting brand new. They could pray for you. Oh, who am I talking to? They could pray for you and hope for you while you didn't have it. But once the carbonation in your life blew up and the gift was stirred up and your top blew off and it went everywhere, now you're an inconvenience. You need to be in relationship with some people that as they're shaking you up, they're putting on a hazmat suit. They're putting on goggles, but they also have a bowl and a cup because I know that if you get yours, when you blow open, I can catch a little bit of something. You know what that looks like in our word? Paul said it this way. He said, stir up the gift in the people that you love. And once God blesses them, the blessing has to do what? Overflow. Anybody, have you ever been there before? Like, like where you've opened up a Coke and once you open it, it begins to overflow. What do you do? You, you try to find something to soak it up. That's what our lives look like. God, I have all of this stuff I want to bless people with, but everybody's hating on me and I can't share it with them. What if in our relationships, when we were stirring up the gifts in people, we were stirring it up because we were actually looking for the residual value in what they're going to do in their, in their life? Like, I need you to succeed so that I can. Like, I, I need your top to blow open and for God to bless you so that it can show me how it's done. There are people in your life that need you to get the promotion so that they can know that they can where they are. There are people in your life, they need your family to succeed so that they have the prosperity to do it in their own. Look at your neighbor and say, I must be wealthy. Just so I can prove to others that they can as well. But what the world wants you to get tripped up in is that it's a prosperity gospel. And the funny thing is like, well, why wouldn't it be a prosperity gospel? Why wouldn't we want every person that we meet to be prosperous? Because I'm the type of carbonation that if you touch me, something's going to stir up in you. What if we created an environment of a whole bunch of fizzy people that you can't even put the top on us? Like, you can't put the cap on my life because every time I join hands with this person, something stirs up on the inside of me. Grab your neighbor's hand. Let's just do it right now. Do it right now. You are touching a carbonated person that's just waiting. Look at your neighbor. Say, I'm just waiting for a chance to blow. Come on. I'm just, I'm just waiting. I'm just... Woo! Because at some point in time, the carbonation and the pressure on the inside of me is going to be more great than what's on the outside of me. And what I'm in is not going to be able to contain what's on the inside of me. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm about to blow up. Oh, they didn't believe you. Look at the other person and say, I'm about to blow up. There's pressure. There's pressure. 
There's pressure. God, you want to give up. There's nobody around you. Like, God, I can't stand my boss. I can't stand my wife and my kids. I can't stand my husband. But what God is doing, do you know how they make carbonation and soda? They put the contents in the soda. Then they put a needle on the top and they begin to pressurize it. They begin to put pressure into it until they are done. Some of you, you will look at God and say, God, I can't take no more. But God's like, I'm not. There's, you, you still got capacity for more. So this is what Paul is getting to. Stir up the gift. Say, stir up the gift. Stir up the gift. Come on, talk to your neighbor. You need people in your life that are willing to shake you even once you're tired of being shaken. You need people in your life that are unimpressed with what you think you can do. You need people in your life that can care less about your relationship and more about your purpose. Who am I talking to? Are you, are you gonna, you're gonna use one. You're gonna use one? Let me get one. 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 Let me show you. Can we do this? Because some of us are okay with just that. And we're okay living a mediocre life because this is all we can take. But there's still air at the top of this bubble where God understands that if you allow me to shake you up, at some point in time, the pressure on the inside of this bottle is going to be greater than what's on the outside and the cap is going to have to blow off. But sometimes what happens is, is that we give up on God when he's putting pressure on us and we lose our fizz. The reason why we can't stand other people being blessed is because they've been here. God, I don't know what's going on in this situation. I don't know what's going on in my life right now. But if you just keep shaking me up, if you keep stirring me up, at some point in time, the, the, the top is going to blow off. It's impossible for you to grow without being uncomfortable. God is going to start calling us into a season of uncomfortability. So if your house is too small, get ready. If your job is too small, get ready. If your finances are too small, look at your neighbor and say, get ready. I'm about to blow. And if you're not ready, when I do blow, it might make you feel some type of way. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm about to blow. Like, like the pressure started here. He tried to take me out with cancer, didn't work. Then he tried to take care of my marriage, didn't work. Then he tried to take my finances, didn't work. Then he tried to take my brain, didn't work. So now... to blow and here's the final part of my point once you blow the contents on the inside becomes your testimony so when somebody comes to you and they haven't blown well I don't know if I can do it look my soda's all over the place like look at my like I've been through it oh you said your money ain't right trust me we were eating cornbread and we didn't even have the water for it so we were just eating cornmeal you feel me like your testimony will create carbonation in other people. The more you start to tell people about what God has done for you, it's going to start building them up. Okay, that's it. That's all I got. That's all I got. I mean, I got more, but that's it. Look at somebody say, I'm about to blow up. You should walk into your job on Sunday say, if you knew who you were talking to, you would look at me a little bit different. If you knew who you hired, you would pay me just a little bit more. You should walk into your bank tomorrow, look at your bank account and be like, there should be another comma here, and then a comma here, and then a comma. 
You should walk into your garage and look at your car and say, like, this car, is, it, doesn't, it doesn't show how good God has been to me. The clothes that I wear, they don't show how good God has been to me. If you're sick, you should look at your sickness and say, like, this, this doesn't prove that I have a good God. So, God, you got to give me more than what I need. Because they never fill up bottles with enough Coke. They always fill them up with more than enough. About to blow. You, you done? No, here's my point. Here's my point. People in your life can be there to stir up potential. Can you say potential? But look at your neighbor and say, we don't believe in potential. Potential are things that you can do, but purpose is something that you must do. This is the reason why when Jesus was on the cross, he said, it is finished. Because people say, like, Jesus had so much potential. And we teach these messages on potential. Do everything that's inside of you. No. Jesus only did what he was called to do. Which means that if you have a whole bunch of things that you can do, don't be with relationships with people that are always giving you ideas for the things that you can do and not the things that you must do. Because Jesus would always say, I have come to do the will of my Father. Well, Jesus, you could be the Caesar. I have come to do the will of my Father. Well, you could, you, you could be Pontius Pilate. I have come to do the will of my Potential is worthless. Purpose is where you put your money. Listen to this. The difference between potential and purpose is can and must. There are some things you can do, but there are some things you must do. Be with people that shake you up, and they only shake up your purpose, not what you can do, because they will help you waste your time. Say, I'm about to blow. Now that was good. Look at somebody, look at somebody, and then look up to God and tell God, shake me up, God. Shake me up. Shake me up. Come on, lift those hands. Tell God, shake me up. Shake me up. Shake me up. Make me uncomfortable. Shake me up. Stir me up. Stir me up. Stir me up. Stir me up. I want to get ready to blow the top off. I want to be ready when the world is come on, ready for come me. On, come on. I want to, I want to, come on. Shake me up. Shake me up. Shake me up. It's uncomfortable, but shake me up. Shake me up. It doesn't feel good, but shake me up. Shake me up. The pressure is unbearable. I don't know if I can take any more, but then you're almost there. Woo! Woo! Yeah. Okay. Okay. If I, if, if I had an organist, it'd be over right now. But what? Ooh-wee. Here we yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. So what I was going to say is this. Yeah. I had to find a way to say it. When I say church is full of people who could end up using you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is because when people have run out of ideas. If you don't, come on. When their relationships break down, when they lose a job, when something goes wrong, they come to church. Mm. And I, it took me 10 years to learn that. That people come to church most of the time because it's last resort. Come on. It doesn't mean they want me or church. They're looking for something or somebody to bring them out of the fire. 
And after giving yourself to this, it's amazing the people that had nothing when they came. And you met with them to get raises, bonuses, start businesses. Once they get there, come on. They don't even say goodbye. Chill out. <laughs> it's amazing to me, but I had to learn. Martin, do not give yourself to everyone. Mm. Am I clear? Yes, sir. Now, here's my second point. Yeah. Here's the issue. Not that one, Doc. I shook that one up. That one's ready to go. This is, this is in a bottle. Let's settle down. Oh, this is going to be great. Yeah, y'all drink from cans and stuff. Oh, teach on that. No, I Oh, unbox that. Unbox that. That's no. so good. Oh, the real thing. Come on. Please, please. They'll be all right. Y'all all right? Please, no. the difference between plastic and glass. Come on, man, do it, please. Yeah, this is glass. Come on, so good. This is not plastic or aluminum. You can shake it up and give it five minutes and it goes back. <laughs> so good. Anyway, that's not what I want to say. That's just for me then. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, that was just for me. All right, I'm being selfish. Don't, you are not a plastic bottle or a resealable bottle. Come on. Once you're open, say D-A-T, dat. Dat. That's it. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) You can only be a virgin once. Be clear. You don't want to be a twist off. Twist off Coke bottles. You can twist them on. You can twist them off. Oh, wow. You want to have a top. A seal. Let me tell you why. You ready for this? Yeah. Anybody can open a twist top. Two-year-olds can open a twist top. Come, that's so good. They can pop a can. But you need a special tool to get into this thing. Come on. <laughs> so you want the people who come into your life? They have to have the tool. Don't open it yet. No, it's okay. I'm not going to do oh, it now. Okay. You want to make sure they have the tools... To open you up. Mm. These are the qualifications of the people you let in your life. Come on, let's do it. Yeah. Do they have a reason to open you up? There ain't no no need in talking to nobody that's a potential marriage or business partner and and they don't have the tools to be there. Someone asked me the other day, is Joshua ready to be a husband? I said, he has the tools. Hmm. Ain't nobody ever ready to be no husband. That's good. I got 31. I ain't ready yet. Still working on it. 
Do they have the tools to open you? Do they have... You're talking to someone about making millions. And they don't have control over a dime yet. Man, dude, yo. You can't let them open you up. They're ready for a deep relationship, but they just ended one last week. They don't have the tools to open you up. (laughs) Because right here, Josh, come here. Come here. I want to show you something. I want to show you something. Hold that. Now, when the person who has the tools comes into your life, Linnell, when a person like that comes into your life, something's going to happen. They're going to help you open up. Because you're only going to hear this sound once. Oh, my God. Oh, you need the mic. Sorry. That's. What did you hear? Spot. Wow. You get that once, ladies and gentlemen, in your life. That's good. That's good. Now, I can take that top. Mm. But I'm never going to hear. I can go to the store and some, some, some interesting people are doing this stuff now. They're going to stores and they're opening pop bottles and putting them back on the shelf. Mm. We get them home and they get opened. Mm. There's no mm. And sometimes you think you're dealing with a new person. Mm. That's fresh. <laughs> oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. You you think you're de- <laughs> you think you're dealing with a person that's fresh, but they are so bound by their past. They were simply put the top back on and put back on the shelf. Mm. And that's why you need a strategy Mm -hmm. in which to build your relationships. Strategy. Where have you been? What have you been doing? What have you gone through? Are you healed yet? Are you healed? Am I a rebound business relationship? Because this, once they taste you and you fresh, they're going to be ready to make a blood covenant. They're going to want to get in a relationship with you, and they're not going to let you go. And they're going to forsake. They're going to forsake all others to be with you. Tell your neighbor, you can't be resealed. You can't be resealed. Now, understanding this, you want to stay sealed as long as you can. Mm -hmm. Because it increases your shelf life. 
That's good. And it preserves you for the right relationships. That's so good. That's good. Let me tell you how important this is. You can end up giving your whole life to someone in a relationship you did not vet. And at the end, when you're dying, I'm at a lot of bedsides, unfortunately. Very few of them are joyous. Mm-hmm. In the last days, they want to meet with their pastor. And they want to tell me all the stuff they should have, would have, could have. Mm. And I'm standing there saying, well, let's get up and go do it. I believe in healing. I believe in restoration of life. I know how to lay hands on people. I know how to cast demons out. I know how to raise the dead. But if the dead is ready to die, you can't raise the dead. (laughs) And so people end up in a place where they're dead and they're ready to die. And once... I asked them a few questions I can determine it was because of a relationship that they had that either bound them or wasn't encouraging Mm. or damaged them in a particular way. Right. So it's important for you to check those relationships. And if you can be blind like most of us can be, That's why you need friends. Let me tell you the kind of friends you need. You need a sober friend. So when all y'all out drinking, they ain't drinking. They sober. Mm. You need a nosy friend. You need a a nosy friend. I know you you don't want one, but you need one. You need a nosy friend. You need someone that is highly suspicious. Highly suspicious. (laughs) They need to know how to check Instagram, Facebook, Google. You need one of them friends. You need a patient friend, and this is the most important friend you need. You need a crazy, crazy maniac, protective friend Mm. that is not saved. Don't get a saved one. (laughs) Get a maniac, crazy friend that cut people. (laughs) Guido, uh, Louisiana, or I don't know what y'all call him. Neil Brown. Get one of them friends and take all your friends with you so that in five minutes, you, you know what the nosy friend knows? The crazy, Because at the end of it, the crazy friend not going to say much till they find out what it is. And once they find out it's not a good relationship, the crazy friend going to stand up and say, don't worry, I'll take care of them. <laughs> Nobody will ever find them. Hmm. hmm. Because that's how you protect your life. Okay. Hmm. Oh, that. Okay. I'm not even gonna go to my point. I'm gonna draw a line under that. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna share a little bit because that was a point that I had. But I'm just gonna share a little bit. That was. Yeah. Because my point was only open up to those who intend to drink. Because if you open up a soda, then you're babysitting it and it loses its fizz, and then the only thing you can do with it is put it down. But that was my point. But I'm gonna piggyback off of yours honorably. Okay. So. Look at your neighbor and say, don't waste your fizz on someone who is not intending to drink. Let me talk to my millennials in this day and age. 
One of the issues that we have in our relationships is the first time that we meet somebody, we open up our bottle and we pour all of our contents and we believe that being vulnerable will make us happy. So in order for them to love me, I have to tell them everything. I have to tell them about what happened in fifth grade and in fourth grade. I have to tell them what I did when I was 12, when I was 17. I have to tell them what I did last night. But there is something about salvation. There's something about secrecy and mystery that will call people to you. But once they know the mystery and the secret of how you do what you do, they don't have any use for you anymore. Some people don't want the contents of the bottle. They just want to learn how to make Coke, but then they're going to call it joke and sell it for half price. It's the reason why sometimes we will buy soda that is half the price, but it tastes just as good because we're willing to pay for the same product at half the price because we don't want the real thing. So people will come into your life and they will look at what you have and then they will compare you to what they want and they won't buy you, they'll buy what they want, even if it's half as good as who you are. But this is the thing that I wanted to talk about. Look at your neighbor, say recarbonation is expensive. Look at your neighbor. Say, recarbonation is expensive. Think about how much it would take to recarbonate one bottle of Coke if you were to do it versus just going and buying another one. Sometimes people are around here in life, and the only thing that they're looking to do is to see who they can devour. Stay with me. They're walking around people, opening up their lids with no intention to drink because they don't believe that there's enough in this world for everybody. So they try to... So they try to spoil your content. This is what I'm saying. You do not have it in your power right now to go and buy CO2. Anybody? Anybody have a permit? Are there any um, uh, 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 biology teachers or chemistry teachers in the room? Anybody that work with hazardous gases or things like that? Anyone? No. Which means that nobody in this room has the opportunity or the power. You cannot recarbonate soda. So it's expensive. I'm building something. Let's look at what carbonation is. Write this down. Carbonation comes from the three different places. It's the fizz. Look at your neighbor say, it's the fizz. It comes from God, it comes from others, and it comes from yourself. The fizz that comes from God is through your salvation. That's why people, when they come to Christ, they get like this ridiculous amount of energy in their life because God has now recarbonated their life. He's given them life in a dead place. Like you taste the same, but you just taste a little bit different. That's the salvation of God. That's the fizz of God, right? With people, it comes with encouragement, where people pump you up, not just to pump you up, but they pump you up with their words. They pump you up with their love. They pump you up with, with just their, their embrace. Have you ever met somebody, like when you see your favorite cousin, Thanksgiving's coming, so I'm gonna see mine, and it's like, good, good. like I haven't seen you for so long. And just being in your presence recarbonates me. But there's something about carbonation that comes from the self. When you are able to literally meditate on God's word and speak his word back to yourself to carbonate yourself. But listen to this. Once something loses its carbonation, it is very expensive. Say expensive. expensive. To recarbonate it. Because this is what we do every single Sunday when we give our heart back to God. We're looking for the fizz. Because we were in relationships that opened up our top and now we don't know how to get life back into us. You dated somebody that the pastor or somebody around you that's in your net group told you not to date. And now you're frustrated trying to get salvation from God. But God says, you didn't lose my salvation fizz. You lost your personal fizz because now you don't even know how to look at yourself right. 
So then what does carbonation look like in the church that's so expensive? It looks like repentance. It looks like having to spend three, four, five months trying to get your fizz back because you lost it in a moment. It's expensive because while you're here tarrying on the altar asking God, God, fill my cup. God, make me better. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. God's saying, what if you were fizzy right now? You will be able to fulfill purpose right now. But instead, you're trying to get more carbonation. Because look at your neighbor and write this one down. The assembly line does not quit production because you have lost your fizz. Just because you lost your fizz doesn't mean that God's purpose stops because you're trying to get your fizz back. This is the reason why if you are a creative, you can see your design on television. This is the reason why if you write songs, you can hear your melody on the radio. It's because while you had the carbonation, your top was open and you lost inspiration. I believe that God is calling us to a place where we won't spend all of our money trying to recarbonate. Because this is what happens. If you have a soda that's re, that, that's, that has no carbonation, what do you do? Do you spend the money to try to recarbonate it or do you go buy another one and throw that one in the trash? A lot of our lives, we look like empty, I mean, full Coke bottles in the trash. It tastes good, but it has no life. But what if we were to make a decision today that we were going to literally cement our bottle top so that nobody could open us up until they had the proper tools to do so? You are expensive. Salvation from God is expensive. Talk back from friends of yours. If somebody is taking the time out of their day to pump you up, Stacey, you are amazing. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You have to think about this. Every single part of CO2 that I'm giving to you to bubble you up, I'm not using on myself. It's expensive. So when somebody speaks into your life, you shouldn't just be looking at them. You should close your, hand, close your eyes and lift your hands and receive what they're giving to you. Because then it gets to this point where you become a Coke bottle that can give yourself carbonation. When you look in the mirror at the beginning of your day, I don't know where it's coming from today, God, but today I'm going to kill this day. Somebody's going to meet me at the gas station. They're going to shake my hand. They're going to call me next week. Like you begin to give yourself fizz. Look at your neighbor and say, give yourself fizz and you'll never go flat. Last one. I got one more after you. Good. And then you can close. Whoa. Okay. Giving yourself away has to be strategic. Oh, that's good. Which means if, if this is nutrition, which is argue, arguable, <laughs> if this is nutrition and it gives life, if you let me drink from it, don't you need to know what I'm going to do with the energy you're giving me? Does that make sense? If, because you start to drink from me and my levels start to go down. Mm. My levels start to go down. So if I'm going to give you me, Mm. which is nutritious, is it okay that I qualify Mm. how you're going to use it? Is that all right? No? Mm. Am I asking the question correctly? Mm -hmm. Is it okay? Is it is it okay for me to say if I'm going to pour my life into you? um, Are you going to use the energy I give you 
to cheat people. That's good. Be gracious, kind, loving. Is it okay I do that? Yeah. Is it? Then why do so many people who don't want to live right want you to give your life to them? <laughs> That's good. What is that? I am told all the time what a pastor is by people who don't even know what a pastor is. <laughs> Hello. All the time. All the time. I'm reminded. I just, I don't even say nothing no more. I just listen. Wow. Well, you're a pastor. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to give your life away. You're supposed to give your life away. And mm. some people even had a nerd tell me, you know, pastors and priests, you, you know, you're supposed to be, you're supposed to be poor. Mm. You're supposed to give your life to the church mm. and you're supposed to not own anything. I say, you need to find another church because bruh ain't having nothing to do with that at all. Mm -mm, not for you or your mama. <laughs> mm -mm. Refuse to be poor. Just not, that ain't happening. And also refuse to give without qualifying what I'm giving to. Yeah. Can I have a meeting with you? What do you do now? Well, you know, I'm just waiting on God. Not yet. Because I can't give energy. Why put gas in a car that ain't moving? Mm. It just makes no sense. And let me tell you something. Can I tell you something? Your bottle is just as important as mine. That's good. Your bottle is just as important as the president, just as important as a famous person, yeah. just as important as Oprah, just as important as any of your heroes, your bottle should, to you should be just as important right. as any other important person. Why? Because you are important. You're important. And you should be able to ask people, what do you plan to do with this meeting mm. after we're done? Mm. I want to meet with you about my marriage. That's wonderful. What do you plan to do with it after we meet? That's so good. <laughs> well, I'm going to pray about it. Well, let me tell you how I work. Pray first. <laughs> pray first. <laughs> Make up your mind if you're going to do something about it after we talk. Then we can talk because otherwise... You're going to feel happy just because we had a conversation. But yet I'm getting depleted. Tell somebody, there's only so much of you. Tell the one behind you, there's only so much of you. Hmm. Now, lastly, I'm not teaching you this, and I don't want you to approach it from a place of fear, anxiety, yeah, yeah. or caution. It's not what this is. This is not be scared of people, and everybody's trying to get something from you. That's not where I'm coming from. I'm coming from, you are important to the kingdom. And to make the chances of you succeeding better, 
Be strategic in your relationships. A man I wanted to mentor me, he, he, he said, why do you want a relationship with me? And I said, I'm just, I'm just telling you, I don't, I don't want to hang out with you. That's not, I'm, I want to learn how to do this. Told him up front, I want to learn how to do this. You ever, you ever invited, uh, you ever invited uh, maybe, maybe you haven't, but this, this is sort of how it goes. If you're going to invite John P. Key to your church, the price goes from 25000 to zero based on relationship. So one church calls him and he said, yeah, it'll be 25000 for us to come to a concert. It's wonderful. But I know him and his people. They call him, he says, no, it's 25000 They say, we can't afford that. A week later, he calls me. He says, we want to come to your church. I said, great. How much is it going to cost? He said, we'll come for free. Just give us an offering. It's relationship. Now, to protect that relationship, I don't let him just come up in here. (laughs) I put him in the best hotels, get them the best food, and I give him money. Yes. Because that is a relationship. And that's why he calls me every year. When people, (laughs) listen to me, y'all, please hear me. When people get rich, famous, or whatever, they get what they think they got and need, Kanye, they're not looking for money. Mm, mm. They're looking for relationships. They're looking for family. They're looking for people to drink Coke with, Mm. golf with, share their life with. And to be those kind of people, you've got to become dependable. And the only way to do that is to grow personally. Because there are going to be levels in your relationship. There are going to be people who connect to you to get stuff. That's fine. You can give it to them. But you also need those people in relationship with you who can give stuff. Open doors, revelation, opportunities. Amen? Amen. Let's finish up, Josh. Okay. Everybody do this. Go. Did you hear that? You just blew. Did you do that again? Did you hear that? 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 Do that again. What was that? Did you hear it? Did you hear it? Did you hear it? Let's do it again. Breathe in. Let it out. You bad, Mike. You bad back there, Mike. You bad, boy. That's what your life is going to sound like. That's what your life is. It it should sound like every time that you inhale. God fills you up with capacity. When you exhale, you blow. In Genesis, Jesus is the, we see it for the first time that when Can Jesus. Can we do that one more time though, for real? Okay, go ahead. Let's turn up the subwoofer. Let, let's, let's, let's hear that thing for real. All right. <laughs> you got to, you got to. No, it's on you. You interrupted. Go ahead. 
That cap falling on the floor, though, is that's just the end of it. Once again, breathe in. Breathe out. In Genesis, it's the first time that we see Jesus breathe. So we have to understand that in all of Genesis, like, Jesus, God, God doesn't need oxygen. Like, God doesn't have a body. He doesn't have a mouth. He doesn't have lungs. But there's, a speci- it, there's like a specificity. It's a big word. Specific point that I'm trying to make. When God breathes over something, it gives, it gives life to that thing. And if you're made like God, that means that you have the same power that he does, right? So I'm going to get to my second point, but can we just do like a mini altar call right quick? Right where you are, make an altar. Just lift your hands and begin to speak over your life. Just start to talk. Just, I know it might be weird, but, but practice giving yourself carbonation. God, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God, every situation that I walk into has to work. God, I speak to Monday right now and say it's prosperous. I speak to Tuesday and say that it's glorious. I speak to, t- come on, talk. Talk to yourself. Carbonation isn't silent. Come on, talk, talk, talk. Let's fill this room. I build myself up. I build myself up today, God. If nobody else gives me anything, God, I give it to myself. This is meditation, people. Talk to yourself. Breathe over your own life. Breathe over your own life. Okay, here we go. Last point. Has has this been good to anybody today? Has this been fun? Can we do a campaign that we bring fun back to church? Yeah, let's do that. Here it is. Y'all ready for this last point? It's an illustration. So my last point is this. It says that your capacity is not a cap. This is going to give an answer to some of you because, you know, the end of the year is coming and we just start cutting people off like it's, like, I'm going to cut them off. But then, like, you don't really cut them off. You just put them in a Ziploc bag and go open them back up later in March. Like, oh, my God, hey, girl. Like, oh, I thought you cut me off. No. But this is going to help us in our relationships, right? So there's this thing about, um, about capacity um, when it comes to relationship. So there is a difference between a glass full of Coke a sip of Coke, a two liter of Coke, and a fountain of Coke, right? Um, but if you take a two liter of Coke and try to pour it into just a little cup, you can't pour all of it into it, correct? Well, sometimes in our relationships, that's what we look like is frustrated. You ever been in a relationship where you're trying to help somebody or you're trying to show them their potential and it seems like no matter what you do, they don't get the point? Let me show you what it looks like. This is what it looks like. Um, each, each container plays a role, right? depending on how big it is and its shape. Like some things are shaped a certain way because it plays a specific role. And if you mess with it, it'll, it'll, it won't work. Like in, your, like in planes, the engine is circular for a reason. If you were to break the circle, the plane literally couldn't get off the ground. Like, like when they're doing all those diagnostics, like something being off by .001 of a centimeter could cause, every, could cause the plane to go down. So the, your shape, like Pastor was saying, is so important. So the glass that God has put you in was made perfectly. So it's not your job to try to shave a little bit off here or add some on here. Like, no, even if you'd never lose the 100 pounds, God still loves your shape. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like if, if you're upset about your complexion, I'm too dark, I'm too fat, I don't do it right. God, I don't speak right. God even told Moses, he says, I don't even care if you stutter because I put that stutter in you so that you would have to tell Moses multiple times. So when you said let people go, like if, if he didn't have a stutter, it would have been just let my people go. But since it was Moses, it was let my people go, let my people go, let my people, because he had a stutter, so he had to hear it multiple times. Okay, now we're sorry. 
So whatever you think is a bad thing, God uses it for his glory. Here it is. But this is what our lives look like when it comes to people. With God, he pours all that he is into us regardless of the container. But I want to show you something. Look at your neighbor and say, you do not have the capacity to pour all of yourself into someone that wants none of you. We're in a relationship series, so this is where it is. This is your capacity. This holds, what is it, a couple, couple ounces? What is it? Maybe eight ounces of Coke? Yeah, eight, 12, eight to 12 ounces of Coke. This is a serving dish that maybe only has four. What happens in some of your relationships is that you want to be the best friend possible, and you begin to pour yourself into them. And then they get to a point where they can't take anymore. And you're frustrated because God showed you that you're going to have great relationships, that you're going to be able to pour and pour and pour and be filled up. But I want to make sure that you understand something. We destroy our relationships because we do not know the container of them. Meaning this, some of you, your capacity is way too big for the people that you're around. That's why when you start to talk about your dreams, your aspirations, and you start talking about how much money you want, they, it's not that they don't like you. It's that they don't have the capacity to take all that you have to offer. Because this is what happens in relationships. If you do not have the capacity to take everything that I am, at some point in time, I am going to make you frustrated because I still got more to go. True. Well, we just got, man, we talked about the house last week and being married last week. Is that all you have to talk about? Like, no, I just started. Like, I got, I got so much more in me. But then what happens is, is that we start to pour into people that have no more ca capacity for us, and we begin to overflow, and we start to waste our dreams on people that can't catch them. So in our relationships, this is my best friend. I've known them since I was five years old, but their capacity isn't there. So you begin to share your dreams and your hope, and you lose your fizz, and they're, they're getting frustrated with you because this is all you talk about. But what would happen if, in your relationships, you found people that were able to take your capacity and some. That every time, this is so good, so good. This is so good, this is so good. Don't miss it, don't miss it. That every time that you think that you're empty, you have friends that come to you and say like, wait a minute, I think there's a little bit more in you. Really quick story. I brag about him all the time, but my friend Jeremy is here. Uh, Jeremy, I work out with him every morning um, at 5.30. We used to go out later, like at like 3 or 4 o'clock. And he started, he said, if you really want this work, why don't you wake up before everybody else wakes up to prove that you want it before the sun comes up? And there were times when we would be working out where we're doing squats at, five, say, 5 o'clock. If you want it, you're going to get it in the morning. And every single step, there were moments where I couldn't take anymore. Like my body had literally told me, you ain't got no more. I'm trying to help you realize who you need in your life. I was like, I ain't got no more, bro. Like, I'm, I'm empty. I'm spent. But then there's something about being in a relationship with somebody that can open up another reservoir that you didn't even know that you had and say, like, no, 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 come on. Come on, keep going. Keep going. You gave your heart to Christ last week, but I think it goes a little bit deeper. Yeah, you failed last week, but come on. Come on. I think there's a little bit more. Like, yeah, like, I know you think that that's enough, but I think you need a little bit more. Like, you, like I know that you bumped your head, but like, take another step. Take another step. And then when you get to this point where you think that you're empty, they come back to you and they say, you know what? There's a lot more that God wants to do in your life. 
What if we were to start building our relationships with people that would find like reservoirs of what you have left in you? <laughs> 